Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey friends, it's story time. Let's see you again. Uh, recording this in a hurry a little later than normal because it's, hey, it's Monday morning. I get these things out Monday around noon my time and uh, I had a busy weekend and, oh well, no excuses. Anyway, uh, let's get right to this one, doing uh, what works between part three. And when last we let, left our hero, uh, Barry had just uh, stopped the bounty monster from taking out the girl, uh, who's, we don't know what she's doing, she says she's traveling around, and they're running away. The bounty monster got hit by the truck, and uh, rolled underneath the truck's wheel, but it's still going strong, and they're... Make a beeline for the T station to try to get away on the train, um, and then figure things out from there. So let's get going. What lurks between? By me. Part three. The train door slid closed, and we slumped down onto our plastic seats, drained. A few seconds later, the train began moving down the track in the direction of Alewife. Not that I intended for us to go that far. Downtown Crossing was just a few stops ahead. We could get off there with all sorts of options while I figured out what to do next. As the train's acceleration picked up, the girl shook herself as though rousing from a daydream. And perhaps she thought she was. All power to her if she found that comforting. The look on her face said she did not. All right, what the hell was that? She asked, her voice still trembling. I shook my head. You wouldn't believe me. You said that before. Tell me. I looked at her for a moment. She was obviously shaken, afraid, but she was gathering herself quickly. More quickly than I had the first time I met the Bonnie Manster. In fact, she looked... I blinked. I had not really noticed how good she looked. I mean, I had noticed, but not noticed. And really, she was a looker. I suddenly became aware of how god-awful I looked, in clothes that had not been washed in who knows how long, to say nothing of how I probably smelled. I looked away feeling the heat of an embarrassed blush creeping onto my cheeks. I heard her sigh, in exasperation, I thought. I was going to lose her in a second, so I spilled it. All of it. From getting transferred to Ketchum Station, to winding up at my apartment, to the bunny dominating me for all this time. I told her all of it, and it was like a weight had been lifted. Just to tell someone what the hell was going on felt good. It was comforting. The fact that no one else was sitting anywhere near us did not hurt. She, at least, had a chance of believing me after what she had seen. I finished, and she responded with only silence. I looked back at her and saw that she was chewing her lip thoughtfully. She still did not say anything. Well, I asked, when I could bear the silence no more. You really were on Ketchum Station? I heard there were no survivors. I blinked. I had not seen any news updates about the station's status, but then I had been a little bit distracted. I suppose I just assumed they rescued everyone. To hear differently was... Wait a minute. No survivors? None? She shook her head. Holy cannoli, I breathed. Now that was something I had not considered. Hell, for all I knew, they probably had me listed as deceased. 
since I had no idea if I checked in with anyone when I left the station or arrived planetside. Hell, I still don't know how I managed that at all. If I was officially dead, that opened up a whole realm of possibilities. For later. The girl looked at me with a quizzical expression. So you think this ca thing came back down with you from the station? It did not sound like a question, but the way her eyebrows rose as she said it spoke volumes about how much she doubted I was correct. Or even telling the truth, or something. I nodded, spreading my hands helplessly. So what the hell is it? Because it sure ain't a bunny rabbit. I shook my head. I really don't know. My thoughts flashed back to the dream from the previous night and the things I remembered yesterday. I, I think they were doing some kind of experiments up on the station. They had rabbits and a device of some sort. I think whatever they were doing went wrong and I made a vague gesture toward the rear of the train. Now it's like a vampire or something. Or at least that's how it acts. All I know for certain is it's going to have the baby soon, and once that happens... So I trailed off, left the rest unsaid. The girl nodded slowly. So, what, it wanted to eat me next? I nodded. She was remarkably calm about that. Why didn't you let it? What? You let it eat the others. Why not me? I, I didn't let it. I... She just stared at me levelly until I dropped my eyes to the floor. All the guilt and the shame I had felt for the last several days welling up again. She was right, of course. I stopped it from getting her. I could have stopped it with any of them. Or figured a way to kill it. Or something. Or anything besides being the passive vessel for that damn thing. Everything that happened was my fault. I felt tears of shame, of guilt, of accumulated stress welling up, but I refused to let myself cry. Instead, I sniffed and wiped them away and forced myself to look back at her. She had asked a legitimate question, but how to explain that she alone of the bunny monster's chosen victims was not one of the dregs of society. That she was, well, pretty. Too pretty for me to allow her to come to that end. Just thinking about it made me cringe at how shallow a reason it was. Instead, I just shrugged. I'd had enough of it. And that much was true, at least. She nodded slightly. Fair enough. Her tone said she suspected there was something more, but thankfully, she didn't press. Well, the next station was coming up. She stood and held out her hands to me. Thank you, I suppose. Surprised, I took her hand. She gave mine a quick shake, then turned toward the train door. What are you doing? She looked back at me, confused. I'm getting off this train and I'm calling the cops. Uh, miss, I don't think... The train came to a stop and the door opened. The girl turned her back on me and stepped down the stairs and off the train. Something small and white jumped off the top of the train and crashed onto her back and she went down. The bunny followed us. I stood transfixed for a second, in shock, in disbelief, in horror. How? How had it followed us? Talked out the very car we were riding in. Not that I should have been surprised at all. The thing was nothing if not relentless and effective when it set itself to a goal. That had become abundantly clear in the time it kept me prisoner, but... Damn. The sound of the girl's scream broke me out of my reverie and I bounded forward. The chimes that announced the doors would be closing sounded and I threw myself out of the train. But I did not make it out of the train to help her. She was done. I knew that without question. I felt the door tug at the sole of my shoe, and for a moment I wondered if my foot was caught and I was about to be dragged along beside the train car. But then the pressure on my shoe eased and my momentum carried me forward. I landed sprawling on the concrete on the station's floor. At the same time, I heard the solid thud of rubber striking rubber, signaling that the door had seated. Then the train pulled away. 
I pushed myself onto my feet and moved toward the girl. She was squirming and flailing about with her arms and legs, trying to dislodge the bunny monster, but it held fast, and it was steadily making its way up her back to her neck. I glanced around, hoping another commuter or two would be able to help, but the station was empty. How was that possible at this hour of the day? But it was, and all the wishing in the world was not going to change that. It was, again, all up to me. A good solid kick had dislodged the thing from my back. I charged forward, hoping the same thing would work here, but the money monster was waiting. Maybe it expected my move, or maybe attacking the girl was just a ruse meant to make me show myself so it could exact some revenge. For whatever reason, it was ready. When I drew back to kick, it launched itself towards me. As it flew toward my face, I could clearly see its eyes. Bright red to reflect its anger and bloodlust. The pupils narrowed to tiny slits as it put all its attention on me. I was moving forward with too much momentum. I could not just stop or hop backwards. In the split second before the bunny monster struck me, I considered put doing both and just as quickly dismissed them. In the end, I did the only thing that seemed reasonable. I raised my forearms in front of my face and dropped to the ground, fully expecting to feel the bunny monster's claws digging into my arms, followed by its fangs on my throat. But that didn't happen. Somehow my dive made it miss. Unbelieving, I rolled onto my back and sat up. Beside me, the girl had done the same, but unlike me, she did not stop there, but was beginning to stagger to her feet. The bunny monster lay at the base of a concrete pillar a few meters away. For a second, I thought perhaps it had sailed into the pillar and crushed its head, but no such luck. It turned to face us, to face me, and stared at me for what felt like forever. Then it growled. No, it roared. Oh my god, the girl breathed, scampering to her feet. I was forced to agree. I racked my brain, trying to think of something, anything I could do. But how do you kill a vampire? What? I had not realized I had spoken the thought aloud. I gestured toward the bunny monster. It had begun to advance, slowly for now, as though savoring the moment of our fear. How do you kill a vampire? I began backing away from the thing toward the stairs leading up to the street level. The girl did the same, never taking her eyes off the bunny monster. I don't know. Holy water? Garlic? I was about to tell her that that was not going to work, and we did not have those things anyway, but the bunny monster picked that moment to charge. Predictably, it went for the girl first. Was it trying to piss me off, or did it really think I had so little thought in my head that it assumed I would act stupidly again just because she was in danger? More than likely the latter, and in its defense I still did do something stupid because she was in danger, I leapt in front of her, shielding her with my own body. If I'd taken a minute to think about it, there is no way I would have put myself in the bloody monster's line of fire. A loud voice in the back of my head screamed, What in the hell are you doing? But it was far too late to pay any heed to the voice of reason. The thing was coming right at me now, and I only had time to react by instinct. I barely had the time to get my hands up before the bunny monster struck me, but somehow that was enough. I stood there, stunned, and looked at the diminutive beast that I had somehow caught in midair before it would have landed on my throat. I held it beneath its front legs. I could feel the bones of its ribs quite plainly beneath my fingers. For a second, we just looked at each other. I think it was as surprised at my miraculous catch as I was, if the widening of its eyes was any indication. Then the second passed, and it opened its mouth wide, baring its fangs, began squirming in my grip, trying to break free. 
It was all I could do to keep my hands locked around it, but I managed. Then it began scratching at me. Its forelegs clamped onto the muscles of my forearms, and the claws dug deep. Deep, far deeper than it had scratched me before, even the first time it was asserting its dominance. No, these blows were not intended to subdue or to punish, but to punish severely. And boy, did they do the trick. Searing pain before anything I'd ever felt ran up my arms, and I saw red. I heard myself crying out, and hell, I was screaming, but was not conscious of actually doing so. The world compressed until it consisted only of the pain and the image of the bunny monster's eyes, glowing as though lit by a red fire. That was all I could see. Kneel. The command crashed into my mind like a sledgehammer. I only thought the bunny had been forceful before. This, this was like nothing I'd ever experienced or dreamt of. I was down on my knees in an instant. It was like the bunny monster had directly controlled my leg muscles to get me there. The pain lessened slightly, enough that I could make out more than just the bunny monster's eyes. Its entire face came into focus, now just inches away from mine. How I had managed to not lose my grip on it completely, I have no idea, but somewhere beneath the pain and the pressure on my mind, I felt the soft fur of its coat. Release me. This order was less like a sledgehammer and more like a soothing caress. It contained promise of an end to pain, or of comfort even. It was like the offer of lemonade on a humid summer day while lying in a hammock with a gentle breeze blowing past you. I wanted to give in, and not because of the pain of my newest wounds, but because of that promised bliss. I knew it was a lie, but all the same, I felt my fingers beginning to relax. It wouldn't be so bad to just let it go. Just let it all go. No! Somehow, I thought of all the people it had taken, and it forced me to help it take. Of all the vile babies growing in its belly, of the havoc those babies would cause, and I became angry, furious. That rage beat back against the pressure of its mental command, and I felt myself regaining control. No! I growled, and I began squeezing as hard as I could. The bunny monster's eyes grew wide. Whether in surprise or in anger, I was not sure, but a moment later, I felt its ribs beginning to give beneath the pressure of my hands. I knew the expression taking shape on its face was pain, and I knew, for certain, there was also fear. I felt more than a little satisfaction from that. The beast began squirming madly. Its forearm claws already dug into my arms began pulling downward toward my hands, and I saw deep ruts begin to open in my skin. Its rear legs kicked up, and I felt new pain as those claws struck the underside of my upper arms and held fast. I was not going to win this contest. Either I would lose my grip from pain or shock or blood loss, but sooner or later I would let go, and then it would all be over. Fortunately, I was not fighting alone. From out of nowhere, or at least that's how it seemed to me, something crashed down onto the bunny monster's head. I heard the hollow thunk of metal striking bone, and all at once, the bunny monster went limp. It also dropped out of my grasp, unprepared as I was for the sudden additional force. I stumbled backwards, reeling, and for a second unable to comprehend what had happened. Then finally my vision cleared and I saw the girl crouched over the bunny monster, a fire extinguisher held in both her hands. She brought the base of the extinguisher down on the beast's head over and over again. There was a crack, then a squishing sound, and then its head broke open completely and gray matter splattered all over the concrete floor. Only then did she stop. She pushed herself to her feet, dropping the extinguisher to the ground, and stumbled backwards until her back struck another pillar. 
The only sound for a long several seconds was that of the extinguisher rolling away from where she had dropped it. Good lord, I breathed. I wanted to say something. Several somethings, more colorful. The burning in my arms alone seemed to call for it, but for some reason I just... <laughs> felt like then I felt like swearing would have been wrong. Sacrilegious, almost. The good lord stared at the bunny monster for several seconds more. Then she looked back at me. Her eyes were haunted, but that quickly changed when she saw me. Or in particular, when she saw the vast amount of blood leaking from my forearms. Oh, God, she said, and hurried over to my side. Are you all right? Put pressure on it. Like I didn't know that. Somehow, I managed to half smile. I don't know. I hope so. I drew a deep breath and held it for a second, focusing only on that action. It seemed to help with the pain, at least a little bit. Thanks, I added. She nodded, but only briefly. She took my hands and raised them so she could examine the wounds in my forearms more closely. You're going to need stitches quickly or you're going to be in trouble. She turned her head to the side, scanning the station quickly. For what, I was not sure until she spoke again. We need to put on a bandage. Can you get out of that coat? Despite the pain, I managed a resigned chuckle. My trench coat was totally destroyed. Between the scratches, the bunny monster had put it in the bank, and now the sleeves, the thing hung in tatters. All the same, it took some doing and no small amount of assist assistance from her to get it off. She saw the t-shirt I was wearing and rolled her eyes, but said only, That cotton will make a better dressing. Take that off, too. It was a bit more difficult and painful to do, but I managed. Once the t-shirt was off, she began tearing it into strips using a small pocket knife she pulled from seemingly out of nowhere. It took me far too long to realize she kept it, duh, in her pocket. I was losing a lot of blood. Very quickly, she had what she needed, and she began dressing my wounds. She was very precise and neat in how she tied off the dressings, but as though she had a lot of practice doing this sort of thing. I cleared my throat. You do this a lot? She blinked, pausing when what she was doing, then flushed slightly. I studied nursing for a while, she said. She went back to work. A few minutes later, my forearms looked like those of a mummy, but at least I was not dripping blood everywhere. That should keep you until you can make it to a hospital. Thanks, I said, trying another smile. It was easier this time. The pain had reduced quite a lot, the way it tends to in the aftermath of wounds. The thought hit me. You know, I, I never got your name. The girl stared at me for a second. She looked surprised. Then she just shook her head and laughed. Sheila, she said, and we shook hands again. More gently this time. Barry. Nice to meet you, Barry. You too. I, I glanced past her shoulder toward where the bunny monster's body lay, and my words caught in my throat. It was gone. Oh, crap, Sheila breathed when she saw it. Where is it? I shook my head, unable to comprehend what I was seeing. How could it have gotten back up from that? Its brains were splattered all over the floor. Hell, some of them were still splattered all over the floor. What, what, the, what the hell? Barry, what do we do? She sounded well past freaked out. <laughs> so was I, for that matter. I drew in a deep breath and picked up what was left of my trench coat. My t-shirt was gone, so it was wear that or walk around topless. And it was getting a bit chilly for that. We get the hell out of here, I said, as I straightened. Sheila nodded, her eyes darting back and forth in a fearful scan of the area. She took my hand as we turned toward the stairs, not from any romantic impulse, I was sure, but it still felt nice. I gave her hand a little squeeze and started up the stairs. It was not until we reached the top that I realized how screwed we were. Are you freaking kidding me? Sheila was well past scared and more than a little frustrated, and it showed in her strident tone as she shouted the words. I couldn't blame her. At the top of the stairs, 
The tractor will steal bars that closed off the station. After the T shut down for the night were closed and locked with a padlock that appeared nigh on indestructible. I checked the time on my watch, somehow it still functioned. 2.30 p.m. What the hell? That explained why no one else was in the station, but why was it shut up and why would the train stop at a station that was closed? I shook the bars, knowing it would be futile even as I tried it. But that's what you do when you encounter a barrier in your way. At least try to see if there's an easy way to get past it. Oh crap, Barry, what are we going to do? That was the second time in as many minutes that Sheila had asked that question. This time I had no answer. The thought of going back down there, where the bunny monster waited, somewhere, was unacceptable. But waiting up here, where there was nowhere to go, was not much better. I looked out past the bars at the street outside. The station was set 10 or 15 meters back, but I could see a number of pedestrians walking along the street. This area of town was much better than the one we had just left not so long ago. If we get one of those pedestrians to call for help, we might be able to... Then it hit me how stupid I was being. You have a mobile? Mine's sitting on a toffee table at home. Sheila blinked, then her eyes lit up. She fished in the inner pocket of a light jacket she wore, then pulled off her phone with a smile of triumph. She punched in 911 and held the device up to her ear. She balanced from foot to foot eagerly as she waited. She was practically dancing the way she was going on. A few seconds later, her eyes widened and she said, Yes, hello? Look, my friend and I need help. She continued speaking with the operator, but I put the conversation out of my mind. Now that she was engaged, I went down a few steps and peered down into the station. The bunny monster was down there. It was certainly injured and pissed off to no end as well. That was probably putting it mildly. And it would not be hard to figure out where we had gone. Fortunately, we ought to be able to see it coming from here. Sheila hung up the phone and came down to stand beside me. They'll be here in about 15 minutes with someone from the transportation department who can let us out. She did not sound particularly pleased. For that matter, neither was I. What did you tell them? She frowned, looking sidelong at me. That we're locked in here, and we've been attacked by an animal. I snorted softly. Attacked by an animal. While true, it was kind of rich. Well, I guess we wait then. Sheila nodded. She glanced down the stairs, and I could see she was more than nervous. She licked her lips. Her momentary elation at talking to the authorities was wearing off fast. I needed to get her mind off things, keep her calm. I need to do the same thing for myself. So why'd you stop nursing school? Sheila gave a little start. They made a sound that was half sob, half chuckle. Ran out of money, she said. Her eyes never leaving the landing, some 30 steps below us. You know, there are scholarships, she snorted. Not for me. Just drop it, okay? I raised my hands defensively. Okay, sorry. We sat in silence for a while, or at least it felt like a while before Sheila spoke again. Do you think it's... uh, Dead? She nodded. I shook my head. Getting run over by a truck didn't kill it. I don't think a fire extinguisher will do the trick. Frowning, Sheila looked back down the stairs toward the empty station below. I followed her gaze, not wanting to say what I knew to be true. That as soon as it got over the shock of being whacked on the head a few times, Bunny Monster would be coming for us. We didn't have 15 minutes. Okay, we're going to cut this one a little short just because uh, <laughs> i got to finish this up and get to work. Um, again, sorry for the abbreviated version, but hey, that's okay. It looks like we're about two-thirds of the way through the tale. Um, so maybe two more episode sessions or maybe we can cram it into one. Depends if there's a good place to stop or you know, how long it's going to be. 
I'll probably get it done in one, but we'll see. Anyway, um, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, leave me a comment. Send me an email. Go by michaelkingswood.com. Sign up for my mailing list. I don't spam. I don't share your data with anybody. Um, go by my website, ssnstorytelling.com, and buy the book. I get the most money from the store, as I've told you before. Of course, you can go to Amazon and all the other spots if you prefer. Um, and that's all I got. I'll leave it this, and I'll see you guys next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com, where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mail list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Finally, if you really like what I'm doing and want to support on a more regular basis, you can come by Patreon and become a patron. Just a couple bucks a month will help out a lot. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music, copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>